Welcome back to Crime Scene Queens, everybody. I'm Shelly, your legal beagle and your resident court cat. And I'm Laura, your friendly neighborhood crime scene investigator and field mouse. This is a show that's a little bit different than your other true crime podcasts because we give you all the crime that you want to hear about, Mm -hmm. except we do it in an intelligent and in a respectful way. Yeah, still giving you all of that crap that you like to hear that's basically equivalent to the real housewives of crime scene city, right? (laughs) The nitty gritty. The nitty gritty is something that we like to say, like hashtag nitty gritty. We should like start that one too. I feel like so many- Hashtag 100%. I know so many hashtags spawn off of this show. I think we've had like hashtag Oedipus here. Hashtag. <laughs> Mega uh, Yes, exactly. <laughs> I want to start off with some little fun. Like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, like a fun fact. So. Hit it, girl. Can I just say that the teeth, mm-hmm. that your teeth are yeah. not a part of your skull bone. Yeah, I know a lot of people think that they're included as the actual cranial material or the bone. So the difference- I know that we have a little bit differing opinions on this. So I want to just very simply say this because this is Laura's specialty and this is just something that I know enough to be dangerous. So teeth are You're so funny. Yeah, right? So teeth are not bones. But, you know, a lot of people, when they think of skulls, they think of the skulls, you know, they have like the- you know, they, they cranial look, vault, they see the teeth. Yeah, exactly. and the mandible. And they, you know, they right. see the teeth. Yeah, right. exactly. They see the teeth attached to the mandible. Well, that's teeth are not part of that set. And teeth are not even bones. They don't have the regenerative powers that, you know, our bones do. So, for instance, when mm-hmm. we break our bones and we have to go to the doctor and they reset it and they cast mm-hmm. us and then our bones grow back, like I've done probably eight million times in my life. Oh, wow. But then when I broke a tooth, they're like, Yank that puppy because it ain't growing back. It's going to die in your mouth and you're going to have some stank breath. So then, right. you know, they, that's what they do. So if you think about it that way, then yeah, see, see, I win. Well, the difference, well, the, yes. <laughs> so what Shelly is saying is that bone is a living thing. However, yes. teeth are acellular, they are not living. And while there's like, different components that go into like the body of the tooth that has like blood flow in there. Your tooth, as Shelly said, is not regenerative. So when we talk about bone or the skull on an osteological level, Shelly is differentiating between something that is living and that something that's not, kind of like your hair or your nails. If you pull out your nails, you'll bleed. If you pull out your teeth, you'll bleed. If you pull out like enough hair, you'll bleed, okay? So that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that there's not tissues and arteries, veins, and nerves attached to these things, but your bone is not the same as your teeth, which is, I think, her point. But we were kind of, before we uh, started recording, going back and forth because today, in case you guys can't tell, we're going to be talking about skulls. And guess what? Yes. Your skull, it lives inside your face. It lives inside yeah. your face. Mm-hmm. You hit on, you know, you you were talking, and while that's you know all fun and fine and dandy and stuff, you were you were spitting off some super mm-hmm. big words. Osteology, oh, yeah. osteological. Oh, yes. okay, okay. So if we break down the word osteology, what it 
basically means is the study of bone. Osteobonology, like study of. Same thing where you say like mixology at the bar. Like let's make it yes. <laughs> let's make it layman's terms. Cheers. <laughs> so the science of the study of bone. So for those of you who don't know, because maybe you didn't listen to our intro episode, my master's degree is in forensic anthropology, which is hardcore into human osteology. And my specialty was in death investigation and a focus in human identity and trauma analysis. So what that means is I studied bone, particularly as a means of identifying people and individualizing them and analyzing trauma on their osteological or skeletal material. So I spent a really long time doing that. It is my joy. And it was really lovely to get to implement that into the core elements of my master's program, studying the investigation of death. I wanted to- Specialty was, you know, drinking, but. Oh my God, I am Irish. So I'm just really, <laughs> there's a work-life balance, Shelly, okay? You're so smart. You're wicked yes, smart. So smart. God, I'm not from Boston. I'm like, we're, we're the actual Irish, not the Boston Irish, not knocking you, Boston. I just haven't visited you maybe one day. I actually would love to visit Boston Bring us out there day. for a conference or for something. We'll teach you. Yes. We'll teach you cool stuff. Or a podcast show. Yes. We'll head out yes. that way. I like, It's actually one of my dreams. I want to see um, Dropkick Murphys on St. Patrick's Day in Boston. Oh, my gosh. I'm so down. I'm so yep, down. Yeah, let's do I, it. I was talking about, you know, like the Green River and doing yes. St. Patrick's Day. So, you know, this is going to have to be a twofer. I think a that they a twofer. twofer. Oh my, a twofer! You're such a nerd. Dad I love it. Jokes for days, Junior. No, it's mom jokes, girl. Well, there's no such thing as mom jokes. Dad, you're right, because we're all. Yeah. You know why? It's because we're always funny. So that's why. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's digress a little bit. Let's take it away yes. from the skull and make it a little bit more broad. So, what is bone? Your skeleton is the most durable part of the human body. It's the framework. Of you. It's essentially, like I was saying, the rest of you is a meat suit, you know, is the rest of us Mm -hmm. is soft tissue. And the Mm -hmm. function of our bone is to support, protect, it's to enable our movement. It also contributes to blood cell formation and mineral storage. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is you actually have several different kinds of bone. One kind is dense, And this can Mm -hmm. be referred to a little bit more in those fancy words as compact or lamellar Mm -hmm. or cortical, okay? So if you think about like a Fred Flintstone bone and breaking it in half, you're going to have that cavity through the middle where you would like, if you've ever ordered bone marrow at a restaurant before, like the center is like squishier, and we'll get to that in a second. The supporting pieces around it is the compact bone. Now, going back to that part that has the marrow, that's called spongy bone. And in fancy science language, that can be called trabecular bone or cancellous, depending on what part of the body we're talking about. And this can kind of be characterized by thin, bony spicules that create like a lattice. And that is what is filled with your marrow and, I mean... Unless you're Jeffrey Dahmer, you're probably not eating people marrow, but animal marrow is, unless you're a vegan or a vegetarian, a common delicacy. And the compact bone surrounds this. 
So now the third category of bone is something that you were relatively uh, referring to at the beginning of our episode, Shelley, and that's known as woven bone. And this is bone that is laid down in states of healing. So it's not quite matrixed the same as your compact or your spongy bone. And it tends to be a little bit denser because it's trying to protect that area of breakage or damage. Mm -hmm. So that's just a little foundational knowledge about bone. Something else that's interesting since people kind of get this, I've noticed there's a disconnect. Your crania is your head minus your jaw or mandible. So the upper jaw, the part that's right below your bone, your nose, pardon me, is known as your maxilla. And that's Mm -hmm. your teeth up at the top are your maxillary teeth. And your jaw is your mandible. The entire thing, so the crania plus the mandible, is actually what is considered your skull. It's made up of 27 bones, but it should be noted to Shelly's point about teeth, the six bones that make up your ear is not considered part of your skull. Don't ask me why. That's just what they always taught us. Now, Hmm. you start forming your skull. Yep, there you go. C-S-I-E-D-U. (laughs) Um, (laughs) your skull starts forming at six to eight weeks gestation. So that's six to eight weeks of pregnancy. So pretty early you start to get those bones. Yeah. And in osteology, there is a foundation or forensic anthropology or any study of bone. There's a foundational law. Like in crime scene, you and I have talked about before how our foundational principle is the low card exchange theory, right? So for, yeah, so for bone and forensic anthropology, we utilize something called Wolf's Law. And it's Wolf with two Fs, in case any of you are nerds like me and you want to dive a little deeper. And what Wolf's Law states is that bone changes with life. Your bones will adapt according to the demands placed on them. So if you ride horses, we're going to see the evidence of that. If you're a runner, we're going to see evidence of that. So I know that like we've been called out in the past for using the word fat, but I'm going to be referencing something that's like a common like thing that's said. If you hear people say, oh, I'm not fat, I'm big boned. Well, in reality, according to Wolf's law, you're not big boned so you're fat the weight that's being put on your bones is creating that bone to lay down thicker so you have a denser skeleton because of the weight that you're carrying may be heavier than other people's. So your skeleton... Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm, your skeleton responds to how you live. And that's why they say also when they talk about physical therapy or any of those healing sciences, if you don't move it, you lose Mm -hmm. it. And physical therapy hurts, right? Because they make you move. Well, if you don't move it, you will lose it and get worse, right? Yes. There's actually a really cool quote by Margaret Mead, who is a very famous anthropologist. They asked her what the first sign of civilization was. How are we able to see that people are finally starting to reach that state? And Mm -hmm. she said that the first signs of civilization was when they found 
skeletal material where there was evidence of healing on the femur. And for those of you who don't know, the femur is your thigh bone. Yeah. And for those of you who have never broken a femur, you cannot, if you break your thigh bone and you do not have help, you will die. Is that because there's so much blood loss because of that? Or what is not the just that, that, but you're completely immobile. You're unable to get yourself food, water. The healing is a very intense process on the femur. There's a lots of susceptibility for infection, subsequent injuries if you try to move and utilize your body with the injury. So they found a skeleton with evidence of healing of the femur, and that indicated to Margaret Mead that somebody had cared for that person. Oh, and that okay. is, yeah, which I love that story because that tells to her the first signs of a civilized human interaction or human culture. And it plays nicely into kind of just a warm, fuzzy feeling, right? (laughs) Well, yeah, obviously. So I do have a story that's not skull related, but it does relate to Wolf's Law, even though it's a little bit sad. I know we don't typically like to be dark about children on this show. In fact, Shelly, I don't think we've really mentioned it at all. So even though there's a little bit of humor laced in this story, guys, I don't want you to think that there's any insensitivity going on. But essentially what happened was I was a student and I was at a medical examiner's office with my mentor, a very notable forensic anthropologist. And Mm -hmm. there was the skeletal material of a 14-year-old girl found in a dumpster. And... We only knew of her age, gender, and ancestry or race because of missing persons reports and just confidential or criminal informants letting us know where she was and all of that. So Mm -hmm. we were pretty sure that this was her. And we had her skeletal remains. And my mentor tasked me with doing her age analysis. And in forensic anthropology, we use several different indicators of age. Some of this is based on what we call bone fusion. All right. As adults, we have 206 bones. However, you're born with over Mm -hmm. 300. So when you hear these things about growth plates, your arm bone, your upper arm bone from your elbow to your shoulder is actually in three pieces when you're born. And it eventually fuses together to be one bone. And all of the bones in your body fuse together at a different age, which is how we are able to make an estimation of how old you are if we only have your skeletal material. So I was tasked with aging, sexing, and doing the ancestry on the bones. That sounds fun. She was a known prostitute, very sadly, at 14 years of age. Ugh, that's rough. As I was conducting my analysis on her skeleton, her jaw, her hand, her right hand, And her pelvis aged much older than the rest of her body. Oh, that's And I know it sounds like I'm trying to be funny. I am not trying to be funny, you guys. Yeah. But based on what we had been told about, unfortunately, how this young lady had had to resort to prostitution to survive, this did help us confirm her identity, amongst other features. That's that's crazy. 
It was crazy. So I actually, I kind of want to, I want to digress a little bit because I want to sure. ask you. So you said that there's, there's 22 bones. 27. In 27. In the head. Sorry, 27 in the head. Mm-hmm. I've heard that there's only 22, unless you okay. include like the inner ear bones and like the hyoid bone. It's the horseshoe shape, that bone that's like in your throat. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the bone they always talk about breaking the hyoid. For strangulation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, in, in forensic school, they were talking about if the hyoid bone is broken, then that's usually a sign of either strangulation, uh, not necessarily hanging. Mm-hmm. Because when you're hanging, you're resting on the mandible and not necessarily the hyoid bone. So the hyoid bone only breaks like 30 to 33 percent of the time during manual strangulation and or ligature. So yes, yes, there are several reasons for that. The hyoid bone looks like like a flatter jelly bean. And then it has it's a two. Horseshoe. Yeah, but the yeah, center a, yeah, of it is like shape. that flat little jelly bean, and the two horns that come up the side, that is actually a fusion point as well. And it's quite flexible. So oh, okay. the reason why it doesn't always break is because some people just calcify more than others for no particular reason, if I'm to be completely honest with you. Males tend to be more robust, and females tend to be more. Gracile. So if you want to be perspective-based about it, if you have a Y chromosome, you're going to have more robust bones. If you don't, unless you're so on some- fair. I know. I know. Their muscle insertions are bigger too. So the palatines and the inferior na- nasal concha and the vomer, some of yeah. these are, there are like there are some things that people think are bones, like the mastoid process or the crustigale, and they're really just osteometric points. So I think that that might have kind Whoa, of. Oh, what's this crustigale that you're talking about? The crustigale <laughs> is one of my favorite osteometric <laughs> points. Okay, so I want you to close your eyes. Tell me more. Okay. Close your eyes, eyes and eyes pretend that you can look up towards your brain. All right, so we're looking okay. up. Not yeah, like totally not like on that. top of your forehead, but inside. Now bring yeah. your eyes together almost to like where the top of your nose would be. There is a okay. very thin bone. Think about when yeah. you pull like meat That's off the of most like fragile bone yes. in your skull. Yes, yep, it is the crystagali. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And I also know the the strongest one is the jawbone, the mandible. That or the occipital, right? depending on yeah. You are, but it's also fragile when it's independent because because you can because it has like two sides with a void in it. It can collapse and snap through the middle. The most durable bone, in my opinion, is probably depending on the morphology of that unique skull, the occipital. Occipitals are hardcore, man. The occipital. Yeah, that's the back of your head, you guys. Yeah. So if you if you if you feel if you put your hand on the back of your head and you feel that bump, that's your occipital. I, hold on. I totally want to ask how yeah. many of people listening, how many of them do you think actually just touch? Like, I just, I totally just touched the back of my head. Oh. Like, how many people do you think touch the back of their head? Well, hopefully all of them. Unless they're driving or, you know, I don't know, something, but. Okay. So yeah. let, let's how do more, fun. let's, let's do more touch tests then. Let's do. Okay. Ooh, so I like it. Here's how you can differentiate male from female skulls. All right. Everybody put your fingers on your eyebrows and on the on your forehead right above your eyebrows. 
If there is little to no bump there, congratulations, you're a female. If you feel a little bit of a ridge or a bump, a supraorbital crest is a typical indicator of a Y chromosome or a biological male. All right, let's keep going. Put your hands right behind your ears. You might feel a bump. Yes. Everybody's going to have a bump called the mastoid process. However, if you are a female, this bump is a lot more slight. For males, if you have a naked skull without any soft tissue on it, you could, though you shouldn't, pick up your skull by the mastoid process. All right. Everybody put their hand on the back of their head again. Now bring your hands to the center, the middle of that bump, and run your fingers over it. If it's relatively smooth, you are typically female. If there's Double a little X bit of girl. yes, if there's a little bit of a bump or a hook to it, you are a typical male. <laughs> I know. And even when you like see a male and female skull in the field, I don't know how to describe this in any other way, guys. I'm so sorry, but one looks more female than the other. Now, that does not mean that there are not yeah. more robust Little females. Family. There are not more ro- uh, gracile males. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about what's typical, not what always happens. Now, I know I mentioned earlier in my story about bone fusion rates and us determining age from that. You can determine age from the skull However, I need to put a really huge asterisk on it. You know that you have sutures in your head, right? Like where all of those bones connect. Have you ever seen it? All right. This is – there is a methodology that we can use for cranial suture aging. It is the least, the least reliable means of aging that we have osteologically. Now, to Shelly's point earlier about how the teeth are not part of the skull, that bone that holds your teeth in is called alveolar bone. And if the soft tissue is gone and that bone starts to truly become dry, the ligaments that hold that tooth in go away. And sometimes that tooth crypt is tight enough to hold the teeth in. But if there's any kind of taphonic or environmental change, like over drying from the sun, like we have here in Mm -hmm. Florida, or animal scavenging, the first thing that you kind of lose is the teeth and that hyoid bone we were talking about. So if you have any teeth left with your skeletal material, something called dental wear, which Mm -hmm. is like, if you think about how the top of a tooth looks with all those little bumps... Through time with chewing and just having your top jaw and bottom jaw rest on one another, the teeth do wear down Mm -hmm. and the enamel starts to flatten and there is actually an aging process for that. Now, people who are particularly specialized in this are forensic odontologists. So think about a dentist that specializes in forensics. That's a forensic odontologist. So just like we have osteology, which is the study of bone, odontology is the study of teeth. So there's how we can gather an estimation of age with the skull or cranial material. Now, 
Something that's a little bit more sensitive is making an ancestry estimation. So scientifically, we don't use the term race because it has been used in the past for racism. Mm -hmm. We use the term ancestry because at the end of the day, our goal isn't really to be like, oh, they're black, white, whatever. It's regional. So we use terms like European, African, Asian. And I know what people are because I have a lot of black people in my life that ha when I've had this conversation with them, they're like, well, Laura, I'm not from Africa. I yeah. am from Jamaica. I'm yeah. an islander. So I want to go ahead and call that out right now. What I want to remind people is of Pangea. Yes. All of the little islands that make up all of our beautiful black and brown people from the Caribbean, all of those little islands fit into that notch of Africa. So while they might not be from the African continent, at the dawn of time, whatever you consider that to be, before Pangea was broken up into the seven continents, those islands were part of that African continent, and they were subjected to the same adaptation and human variation circumstances from climate and environment that facilitated our biological and morphological change for why we have such diversity. Like there's a reason why black people have the morphology and the skin color and the pigment and the hair that they do. It's based on their ancestors and the, their environmental conditions versus the people that we see from Alaska and very, very cold regions, right? They have totally different mm -hmm. formations. So this is another reason why racism is stupid, by the way. Like, the reason why we look the way that we look is completely a result of our ancestors and the environmental conditions that they were exposed to and the brilliance of the human body to adapt and formulate itself to suit those conditions. So, Laura, so I kind of yes. want to circle back to when you were mm -hmm. having, like, all of us touch ourselves and, you know, our, our yes. skulls. Having us touch our skulls, right? I just want to say. When I think about you, I touch myself. <laughs> there you hit it, girl. Get it. Get it. Get, get it. it. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. <laughs> that's such a good song. I'm going to put that. I, that's going to be my song. Oh, I'm doing it. Do it. All right. So when you were having us touch our craniums and yep. uh, all that junk, I yep. just want to let you know I'm basic. Everything you're, you're a basic female chrome that's me yep i'm a basic double xer yep i am basic as well and by the way ladies and or gentlemen if you are feeling yourself on your head your head on top of your neck and you felt something that wasn't consistent with what i was saying chill it's fine i <laughs> i was meaning to communicate the typical traits. Now, there is like room for wiggling here. So don't lose your mind. I was just saying what don't we do. Don't lose your head. Don't lose <laughs> your head. <laughs> okay. I'm so of these jokes tonight. Well, so, before we say, hold on. So yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. totally am cutting you off because you are so smart that you're making me look totally blonde. Totally whatever. Fine. You're smart in a different way. I don't know anything about I'm, juries and crap. So I'm whatever. A, I'm a true blonde, so I can say that, right? Is that is that the yes, thing that we go with? Fair. Oh, but I am true fair. blonde. Yeah. Anyway, this is so interesting that I hope our listeners are finding it interesting as well, because I think we should definitely break this into a couple of different episodes because okay. there's so much content here. 
I could talk so about skulls think, for a yeah. few hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she might have done that before. But, you know, yeah, yeah. definitely. So let's talk. You know, you're talking about how the skeleton tells, you know, a lot about us and stuff like that. So uh-huh. let's, yeah, let's definitely let's All right. get into that again. Okay. So on the skull, white people, we have a narrower nasal aperture so that's like when you see the picture of the skull that maybe you have on your notebook or your cell phone case or whatever that triangular shaped hole where your nose is it's a little narrower typically for white people our eye holes are angled down a little bit i know this sounds silly but it's like literally true i'll have to provide like post on social media like some images yes we have something called a parabolic don't worry, Shelly. I know you're going to mm-hmm. ask me. I'll break it down. <laughs> a parabolic yeah. dental arcade. Okay. So your teeth for white people is more like that that shape of your maxilla or your mandible or your upper or lower jaw. It's not as wide. It's narrow. And that's why white people have braces more than anyone else because we have dental crowding and our teeth don't have room. So they all smash together and create a battle of epic proportions in your mouth as your teeth try to make space. And then they knock the other one out of the way. All right. And that's why we also have overbites. Yeah. So here's the deal. So here I am trying to be all smart and whatever Uh with my, you know, with my kickoff, like here's our something that our listeners don't know. And then you hit me with that. I didn't realize about the whole like, I didn't know that. That's okay. so awesome. Tell me so, more. So I am going to tell you more. So there is a very cool, unique trait that I have that exists Ooh. on people that are only of Scottish and Irish descent. And it's well, something- Well, then I got it too. You might. You might. Okay. It's something called a Carabelli's cusp. So on your maxillary or your upper- teeth the second molar from the back if you put your tongue and run it along the edge or the lingual or the tongue side of your teeth there's gonna be an extra little bump and i know everybody that has irish or scottish in their ancestry is now doing that if you go to a mirror and open your mouth and look, you will see your Carabelli's cusp. I have one. It's very, very cool. Now, let's go ahead and float into black people. Black people tend to have a wider nasal aperture with something called nasal guttering. So this is something that's kind of hard to describe. So I'm going to do my best. So I want you to pretend that you are looking into the nasal aperture of a skull and it's that triangle shape and with a little and on the bottom of that triangle or the base of that triangle, there's a little partition from the left and the right side of the nose. Now in African people only, the right and the left side kind of look scooped out from the front to the back. So it's kind of neat to see that because then it starts to guide the anthropologist down the right path. Now, black people have something called a hyperbolic dental arcade, and that means that they have more space or a wider angle in their teeth. 
a contributing part of that is something called prognatism. So if you put your finger right underneath your nose and then your other finger right above your front two teeth, for white people, the angle from your top finger to your bottom finger is more up and down. And for black people, your bottom finger is going to angle out a little bit more because there's more space for their teeth. So another, yes, and another cool thing that black people have, but this is not exclusive to them. This has been known to show up in other ancestral groups. However, I have a hypothesis that that's because essentially we're all having sex with each other. And (laughs) at some (laughs) point that in the past happened, even though people didn't want to admit it due to BS. Okay. Crenulated molars. Okay. So if you think about your molars or your back teeth that are those Mm -hmm. bigger teeth that have Mm -hmm. those four little bumps, like you think about like the typical dentist illustration is like a tooth with the four bumps on the top. Yeah. So crenulation is, have you ever seen like an aerial view of like a cool mountain or like a rippling ocean where there's like lots of hills and valleys that it that looks like it's waving. Mm-hmm. So that's crenulation. Yes. And that yes. typically shows up in African ancestral people, even though it can show up in others as well, just not as typically. Now an African American or African or Caribbean or Islander Exclusive trait is something called a post-bregmatic depression. So circling back to African descent and their ancestry people, post-bregmatic depression. Okay. Post, which means after. Bregma, Mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know, bregma is an osteometric point. Your forehead is called your frontal bone. If you put your two hands on the side of your head, those are your parietal bones. The Mm -hmm. apex of those three things coming together is known as bregma. Yes, it is. As as children, it is our soft spot. So that's known as bregma. So something that is post-bregma is going away from your face towards the back of your head. Depression. So, like, I want you guys, our audience and Shelly, I want you to pretend that the skull is like clay. And I want you to take an imaginary spoon and okay. post bregma, pretend okay. I'm gently pressing that spoon into the skull, creating a slight concavity. That is called a post-bregmatic depression, and it only exists in people from African descent. So just to wrap up, because I know that we're kind of like running on time, a- people of Asian descent if you put your fingers on your cheekbones, those are your zygomatic bones. Their cheekbones, like that bump that you feel, they get more. It protrudes more. So they also have a heart-shaped nasal aperture. Interesting. Now, so your cranial sutures, those lines that we talked about earlier that we can help yes. age with. Yeah. In white people, those are kind of straight and they're not too wiggly all over the place. Asian peoples are more complex. And additionally, they have rounder eye orbits. I know, um, I don't know if I mentioned this before. I think I might have accidentally skipped over it. Black people tend to have square eye orbits. 
white people have that angle and Asian peoples are more round. So interesting. Yeah. And some other uh, cool random facts is Native American people can have Mm -hmm. an extra bone, though it's not an extra bone. It's really an extra suture that goes across the um, occipital, linking the two sutures that make up the occipital and separates them from the parietals, or known as the occipital suture. And it's called an Inca bone, and it's shaped like a triangle. Oh. Additionally, their sutures are busier, and it creates sometimes these accidental extra bones created by the suture. Like, it's not actually an extra bone. It's more of, like, the parietal bone that got interrupted. Or, uh, I'm sorry, not the occipital suture. Pardon me, anthropologists and forensic anthropologists. The lambdoidal sutures. Now they're going to come for me. And the extra uh, cranial (laughs) bones created by the sutures are known as wormian bones. Another ancestral group that tends to have busy sutures are the Hispanic people. Now, before we break... I want to talk about something cool because we we say how fingerprints are more unique than DNA, right, Shelly? Because DNA you can have with your uh, identical twin. Well, yeah, you know how like people get. I know sinus- the answer. I know what you're gonna say. What am I gonna say? What am I gonna say? My, my frontal sinus. You're just gonna say that no two skulls are alike. Well, I am gonna like say that. Okay. Different. Okay. So I am saying that. I'm gonna expand on it. Okay. So you know how you get a sinus headache because the pressure builds up behind your eyes and in your forehead? So yes. that that mm-hmm. frontal sinus, the shape of it is as unique as your fingerprint. So if you've ever had an x-ray of your Ooh. head, and sometimes these are taken by dentists with your teeth. Like if you've ever seen the frontal mm-hmm. view or an anterior view of an x-ray, You'll see in that frontal bone a unique shape that makes up your frontal sinus that is as unique as your fingerprint. And it's a means of identification and it's super cool. Oh my gosh. Okay. So on okay. that note, yeah. I totally think that if everyone that is listening right now is as yeah. interested as I am, because <laughs> I'm I'm like, tell me more, but we're running out of time and we don't want to blow yeah, 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 yeah. with, you know, like tons Part of Part two. Of stuff. Part, part two. two is coming. Part two for sure. More skulls. Yeah. Laura's doing. She's funny. She's doing more skulls. More dance. skulls. More skulls. More skulls. I love yes. skulls. Yes, you have. You have tiny children at home. Yes, you have tiny humans that you. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm gonna wake up talking about. You skulls. are. I was gonna say, shh, don't wake up the tiny humans. I know. I know. Anyway. So I just want to say thank you, everyone, for listening because Mm -hmm. this was really, really informational and Laura is definitely an expert. So if, you know, if you guys like what you're hearing, definitely check out some future episodes and wait for part two because it's going to be great. And we're going to talk more about potentially- More skulls. Well, obviously, obviously more (laughs) skulls, but we're definitely going to get into maybe some cases and stuff. Yes. Some Laura stories. I did my master's thesis on skulls. <laughs> way too excited right now. I am. So I'm thinking that, you know, Laura did mention it before, but you can email us at hello at crimescenequeens.com. And that's crimescenequeens with an S at the end of queen.com because there's two of us, not just one. Mm-hmm. And remember, Laura, tell us. If you're going to die, do your local crime scene unit a favor and die in an interesting way. We love you all so much. Find us on social media, TikTok, Instagram, at Crime Scene Queens. Bye-bye. Bye.
<laughs> awesome. Bye for now. Bye. Crime Scene Queens is a Q Code Media production. Executive producers David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Ryan Countshouse. Edited by Nate Dufort. Theme song and music by Darren Johnson. <laughs>